we supposed to get married? I'm going to just swipe I just want somebody to share my life. Do your outsides match your insides? You know, are you dressed in a way that reflects who you are at all? You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've read my advice in the LA Times, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. I don't know about you, but I've been feeling that love is in the air. Spring is here. The flowers are blooming. We are doing all of our spring cleaning. So why not also think of spring cleaning your wardrobe for dating? If you've never thought about having a dating wardrobe, my guest today, Stephanie Jasandi Little, also known as the fashion therapist, will tell you why it's so important and how to create one even if you're on a budget. But first and foremost, we got a dish. The headlines this week are feeling a little disorganized in your love life. This forgotten attachment style may clear things up. And could AI predict your relationship red flags better than your best friend? (laughs) I'll tell you in a moment. And then later, I will answer questions from you like, how do I release the pressure of hitting a relationship milestone? And What are your tips to get a guy to ask you more questions? Mm, I'm feeling some kind of spring way. So let's dish. D's dating dish. Allure magazine explains how disorganized attachment became the most misunderstood attachment style. Man, I love these magazine headlines. It really grabbed me. And when I read it, I was like, this is very interesting. I learned that there's such a thing as dating talk, like dating TikTok. I I I didn't really think about that. There's like a whole dating talk culture and it's actually revealing what people are really confused about, wanting to know about. You know, the algorithm doesn't lie even on TikTok. If you're not familiar with attachment theory, it's actually a method of analyzing and understanding how our childhood influences our relationships in adulthood and the way that we connect with others in our world. So There are three primary attachment styles that are most often utilized by mental health professionals, and those are secure, anxious, and avoidant. And when you don't fall under any of those categories, that's where this idea of disorganized attachment comes in. It's been dubbed the forgotten attachment style by Psychology Today. It was actually first introduced by some UC Berkeley psychology professors in 1986. Now, a lot of mental health professionals are including it in their practice. So the TikTok, the dating talk consensus, is that disorganized attachment would be a combination of being both avoidant and anxious. You know, some people, um, like if you've read the book Attached, talk about anxious avoidant. I'm like, well, then you're just all of the things. And I've always had a theory just from what I've read on attachment styles, and I'm not a psychologist. I, I have not studied this. But just based on my understanding of what I've read and the studies that I've looked at, I feel like there's more left on the table. I feel like there are a lot of different kinds of attachment styles, and I feel like you do move through these attachment styles differently in different relationships, because think about it. Different people bring out different elements of your personality. They trigger different things from your past. And so I don't think it's just about being in a relationship with someone who's securely attached or moving towards a securely attached relationship yourself. I think you can be multiple things at the same time. So I don't know, maybe you call that disorganized. (laughs) According to this article, which cites research by Dr. Lori Lawrence, she says 
about 20 to 40% of adults have a disorganized attachment style, which, if that's factual, it makes me wonder, then why wasn't it included in the original three? Because it seems like 20 to 40%, that's a pretty big chunk. Uh, She says that it can present itself as fear of abandonment or of getting emotionally close to someone, which basically are the two primary fears in both anxious and avoidant. But at its most extreme, it can emerge when a child grows up in an abusive household and, you know, it's like you grow up in chaos. So then you bring chaos and disorganization to your future relationships. Some signs of disorganized attachment, and I'm not diagnosing anyone. I am not a a licensed therapist or clinical psychologist. But if any of this resonates for you, you might want to talk to a professional who is. So it can show up as anxiety about abandonment or rejection, emotional or physical hostility that shouldn't be showing up anyway. So if you're seeing that, definitely talk to someone. Constant mistrust in a partner, someone who goes through intense periods of connection and detachment or a few periods of calmness. And then often struggles with dysregulation, like substance abuse, out-of-control behaviors. If you're always finding ways to push people away and sabotaging relationships that could be healthy otherwise. And if you're dating someone who sounds a little bit like this or might have disorganized attachment, it may be difficult to engage with them because their behavior can feel chaotic or unpredictable. So just take it all with a grain of salt, but make sure... You know, I, I'm all about that BetterHelp, betterhelp.com slash dates and mates. Uh, make sure that you are getting support from the right people if you feel like some of these behaviors are getting in the way of you having a successful relationship. Gosh, it could sound like a lot of work <laughs> to figure out if a relationship is right for you or not. But wouldn't it be nice if AI could help you spot relationship red flags and tell you when to break up with someone before it's too late? Thanks to a fascinating article in Screenshot Media, I learned that there was a recent study titled Love in the Age of AI Dating Apps, which surveyed people on how they would feel about working with an AI dating app, an AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning, folks, and Nearly half of the respondents admitted that they would join an advanced AI-powered dating app if it meant having more chances at finding a long-term partner. But when they were asked what they would do if an AI dating app did suggest they break up with someone, only 7% said that they would end the relationship immediately. 47% of respondents admitted that they would join an advanced AI-powered dating app if it meant they had better chances at finding a long-term partner. I agree with Tinder CEO Sean Rad, who is quoted in this piece. He said that AI will be the great simplifier of matchmaking and the future of the dating industry. It might be the end of my job in the dating industry, but I'm here for it. Honestly, I think so many of our behaviors that we think are are random are actually more predictable than we realize. And so this is why I talk about dating red flags, or I have talked about dating red flags in the past. And this is why I analyzed the security concerns of of like the Tinder swindler, because there are patterns. There are patterns that if you know how to recognize them, then you know what to do. And I'm a little skeptical that AI could predict the end of a relationship. I think AI could be used to make 
better matches overall. But there is still that X factor of not really knowing how you're going to show up in that particular relationship. According to this article, the inputs that they would look at to determine if your relationship was going to be successful or not was your in-app user behavior, your matches, conversations that had gone silent, changes in conversation based on keywords and frequency in conversations. And if the AI could recognize when you had a change of heart or when you acted in a way that could potentially threaten the relationship, they might be able to tell you in advance. Now, of course, there are issues. There's always issues, right, with AI. It would be difficult, this article states, it would be difficult to know what information to feed the AI to get strong enough understanding of the relationship. Plus, this is only part of the conversation because, of course, once you start connecting with somebody, you tend to move offline. I think that's what dating is called, like when you meet people in real life. Oh, yeah, that's what it actually is. So those conversations wouldn't be able to be inputted by the AI. But now my dating coach brain is thinking like, what if you could fill out certain quizzes and or certain factors or input those details yourself and then see what the AI thinks. But then of course, when it's self-reported and not based on actual behaviors, then you might get a skewed outcome. So basically folks, we are not there yet, but I'm curious what you would think about having AI predict your matches. And I'm not talking about dating app algorithms. I'm talking about a deeper level of analysis where machine learning knows what you want better than you do and can predict how you are going to act and who you're going to connect with and what you're going to say before you even think of it. Pretty wild stuff. I love technology but not as much as I love you, but I still love technology for all of our Napoleon Dynamite fans. And that is why I created the Profile Starter Kit to get you online easily and onto your dating success story faster. You can get yours for free at datesandmates.com. And when you sign up for the Profile Starter Kit, you will also get access to our weekly show notes and other information about ways we can work together, ways that I can support you, and where to find my latest and greatest content. When we come back, Stephanie Jasandi Little, the fashion therapist, will be with us to get us organized in our attachment to our date wardrobe. <laughs> See what I did there? Stick around. Welcome back. I am here with Stephanie Jasandi Little, the fashion therapist. Stephanie began her career in the fashion industry, working between New York and L.A. with top designers like Emmanuel Ngaro and Nicole Miller. Her advice has been featured in Marie Claire, In Style, The Hollywood Reporter, and more. And now I have the great joy of welcoming her for the first time to the Dates and Mates podcast. Please give big smooches to my friend, Stephanie Jasandi Little. Thank you, Devona. I'm so glad to have you here. You are you were a hit in the Dating Accelerator program. I had you both in the fall and again in our winter group. And you have such an important knowledge base for my clients. You know, you call yourself the fashion therapist. Let's just start there. Like, why not a stylist? Why are you the fashion therapist, Stephanie? I call myself a fashion therapist because, you know, 
having worked in retail, wholesale garment industry, and having had my own e-commerce website, I realized working with people more and more that it's not just about clothes at all, right? The clothes are the fun part, but it's really about how the clothes make you feel. You know, I work also, in addition to being a personal stylist, as a wardrobe organizer and closet organizer. And when you see how difficult it is for people to let go of certain things, the reasons why we hang on to them, you start to see that it's just, it really is about so much more than just clothes. And there's a lot of emotional stuff that goes with just getting dressed. Yeah. Your stuff has a lot of stuff in it. (laughs) That's right. You would never believe all the secrets one black sweater could hold. So true. I think we could talk, we could have a whole episode on like the emotional undertones of, you know, stuff that you've worn to a certain date or you got from as a gift from a, an ex or all that. But I want to help people today get prepared for dates so they can look their best, feel their best and show up as their authentic self. That's what I really love about what you do, Stephanie. It's really kind of similar to what we do here. You get people to their core essence of who they are. And then the clothes are really a part of of telegraphing that out to the world in a way, right? Absolutely. They are a mode of personal expression and they are a great way to start conversations. But, you know, the thing that I realized is that you could either love clothes and it's really fun for you or you you hate clothes. But in our society, one has to get dressed. Right. So the best thing to do is to figure out what works for you. And having worked, as I said, in the fashion industry, I worked for Emmanuel Angaro and I worked for Nicole Miller. And, you know, you come to realize there are people that are just like we used to call them trend warriors when I worked in New York City. And we see these, you know, folks marching up and down Seventh Avenue where the garment industry happens. And not every trend is for everybody or every body or budget, right? And and so I just really always want to work to demystify fashion for people, like fashion with a capital F. That's what I say. You know, I, we all know that moment in Pretty Woman where she's vibed out of that store, right? And we've all had a moment like that. And I just really want clothing to be accessible and fun and at the very least comfortable and pleasing to everybody. Yeah. And when you're talking about pleasing to someone on a date, that's a whole other thing, especially when we're talking. Let's talk first dates just to start. When you are, you know, they say you never get a second chance to make a first impression. And I think that that's really true. But you don't always have to dress to the nines for every day. It wouldn't even be appropriate for every day. How would you recommend if you were working with, and I know you do work with individuals in getting a a wardrobe together for particular looks and for the lifestyle that they're leaving. Like let's, let's say they want to go on a date, but they don't really know what, what those must haves are or even how to prep for the date that they're going on? What are the questions they should be asking themselves? Well, there are a lot of clues that can be gleaned, whether it's an invitation to a wedding or, you know, a first date or what have you. I think the first question to ask yourself is what time is it happening? Where is it happening? And how do you want to show up as your favorite self? I think it's so important to be authentic you know, when we're meeting people, dating is such a nerve, can be such a nerve wracking experience, especially first dates. And so whatever is going to make you feel 
the most like your favorite self, whether that means kind of armored up, maybe you wear your motorcycle jacket and your jeans, or maybe you wear, you know, a little dress that people have complimented you on before or whatever, but it should be appropriate to the location and the time, you know, some, we know something that like a lunch date at a beachside place, you're not going to wear high heels, you know, and a little black dress. You're probably going to wear maybe a pair of jeans and a cute top and maybe some kind of sneaker that, you know, you might laugh at me because you know how I feel about athletic sneakers on um, dates for all genders. Uh, there are things that I call fashion sneakers. So, you know, I think it should be something clean, something that looks fresh, you know, we don't need a lot of clothes in our closet, but what we do need are things that show respect for yourself in terms of their condition and respect for the person that you're showing up to meet. That's important to me. I like that you said, what time is the date? I've actually never thought about that, Stephanie. And we've had these conversations a few times before where we talked about preparing for the date you're going on. Like you, if you're going to go to a second location, which you're not going to do on a first date, y'all, If you don't know that, go back and listen to old dates and mates episodes. I'll tell you why. But if you are going to be walking after dinner or like you said, you're going to the beach, like for the love of God, please put flip flops or some, you know, slip ons in your purse, something that you can carry with you. I don't know, guys, what to tell you what to do, but thinking thinking ahead to what the date holds for you and even the time you're so you're so right. Like you want to be your favorite self, but you have to consider what you're walking into. And I also believe in presenting yourself the way that you want to be perceived. So look, I'm all for like, if you're having summer fun and you want to have your crop top and be, you know, chilling on the beach and you are just having fun, that is a way you will be perceived if you're wearing, you know, your crop tops and your, I don't know what they call the, the, we used to call them the shorts. Daisy Dukes, but booty short shorts. shorts. Girl, I saw somebody at the museum with some booty shorts no. that were so high. I'm sure there was, there could not be any underwear to be, to be had underneath them. And I was like, wow, you wore <laughs> that to the museum. I'm here with my dad and my daughter. This is a real choice. And I'm happy for her. That's how she wanted to show up. But I think you do have to consider how you will be perceived. So I often say in dating profile photos, be aware of how much skin you're showing. Be aware of how low your neckline is because people are in a split second developing an impression of who you are based on the way that you're presenting. What do you think about that? 100%. I take it back to the cave brain where we are hardwired to be kind of on alert to say like, are you from my tribe? Are you not from my tribe? Right? So we are making these instantaneous micro decisions and they do affect, you know, for better or worse, they do affect what people think of us. So listen, if booty shorts are how you want to roll in life, like by all means, be unapologetic and go for it. But know that that's, you know, kind of a statement. If you want to wear a suit everywhere you go, that is a similarly maybe extreme to the other side kind of a statement. But people make an assessment of you the second they see you, period. And I think that we have control over that. We don't have very much control over a lot that happens in our day-to-day lives or in the world, the greater world. You can control that and you can also modify that. I always say we all have multiple facets to our personalities and thank goodness your wardrobe can and maybe should reflect that, right? Some days I want to wear a bohemian 
floaty something or other. And the, uh, the next day I like to wear a very kind of like tight, all black monotone situation with a pointy shoe. Right. And those are both things that I enjoy and I like to express those. And so I think for first dates, you know, we talk about capsule collections, you and I a little bit, and I think it's so important to have a few go-to pieces that I don't care if you get called for a job interview or a wedding or a date, anything you you really, it's nice to know that you have at least one thing that fits you, feels like you, like your current self, the life you're living and you're physically comfortable in it. What you don't want to be doing is sitting around adjusting your bra straps or, you know, gosh, my feet are killing me in these shoes or I know this shirt makes me sweat buckets. You know, that's not a cute feeling to be having while you're trying to make nice conversation and get to know somebody. Totally. And I'm all about the preparation going into the date, too. So there's so much mental energy expended when you are like, I don't know what to wear. Like all the time when I write for the Washington Post Date Lab, I always ask people how they chose their outfit and what they were wearing. And almost always there's a story behind it. And a lot of times, especially for the women, the story is like, I didn't know what to wear. And I called this person and I called that person. And I put, if you already just know, oh, I always, when I'm doing a lunch date, I always wear this. When I'm doing drinks, I always wear this or this. And then you have options and that they fit you. Like so many people have been telling me since the pandemic, you know, I, things don't, I say people, some people. <laughs> I include myself in that people list of people. Uh, well, you look exactly the same. But then again, we're all on Zoom, so we could just hide everything. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say your wardrobe does need to adapt. And you're probably not the same person. Like I remember I was working with a stylist at one point um, who came into my closet and she I held up a skirt and I was like, oh, it's and she kind of looked at, she kind of looked puzzled. And I was like, it's, oh, I love that skirt. It's a really cute skirt. I had it in high school. And she just looks at me like, what? She just doesn't even respond and just tosses it out. And I thought about it and I was like, oh, that actually, yeah, that was really not a good choice to have something in there that had the emotional weight of, being that item. And then like when I, I did an Instagram live with you and somebody was talking about, I, I mentioned aspirational clothing. Like sometimes I'll keep these jeans because if I put those jeans on, then I know I've reached my goal weight again. But what is the emotional energy that's put into seeing that pair of jeans every day that I actually can't get into anymore? You know, I love to trot out this piece of data average person makes 10,000 micro decisions every day, 10,000, you know, we're not thinking about all of them, but we're doing them. So the energy that you're expending before you're even out the door, if you're looking into a closet that is not seasonally appropriate, why are you looking at your sweaters in July? Northern hemisphere people, I'm talking to you. You know, why are you looking at suits when you no longer work at a law firm and now you work at Facebook or whatever and you wear a hoodie and jeans every day? These are things that either you can store or most, I think, you know, efficiently give to somebody who can wear them now. I want everyone to have 
their own little like mini boutique in their closet that speaks to their current season, their current size, their current needs really, and their current personality. You know, I think, I know we all evolve in life and thank goodness, I do not want to be that 25 year old self, right? I'm pushing 50, like I am not going to wear- for real, Good. for real. <laughs> Thank you. But, you know, our wardrobe evolves as much as we do, right? Or I think that it should, if it's not. Like, it just, our styles change, the trends change, whether we follow them super closely or not. It's worth populating what you have with one or two fresh things, even if you have sort of a uniform of a kind that you wear all the time. If you can look around and say, like, what's one piece that's on trend that, I think would feel comfortable or look good on me and go a little bit out of your, you know, box outside the box once in a while and just try something, whether it's a brighter color or a shoe style or what have you. I mean, there's just so many ways to kind of pop what you already own. You probably need far less than you currently have in your possession. Yeah. And what we wear, it's not only how it impacts the people who see us in it, but it's also how what we wear impacts us and what we're bringing to the table. So there's this social psychology conceit called enclosed cognition. And what it states is that you become what you wear. Let that sink in. So they did a bunch of tests, people wearing lab coats, randoms off the street, they gave lab coats. And every time they did it, the people that were in the lab coats did better on the same material, right? Like bar none. There are any number of other, you know, experiments that were done. It really just proves. And I think we all instinctually know that when we get dressed, we get called for an interview or a first date, like, you know, so many of your listeners or, you know, a wedding, you dress differently. Or let's say you're going to see an ex. How are you dressing? Like you go to that headspace. Like we know we do that. I think we just don't talk about it or think about it that much. And it makes a huge difference once you, once you start to get intentional about thinking about that. You don't have to do it every day of your life, but if you do it through your wardrobe, you do a run through of your wardrobe, then everything's there and sort of teed up for you. And then you can get around the business the more important business of your day, right? Yeah. When you just turn to your clothes and you're out the door. And you can shift the way that you feel, not just even in the clothes that are visible to the people that you're meeting. But I, I say like, if you know you're going to a date, put on a nice undergarment, not because you know, you're gonna get freaky, but just because <laughs> it'll make you feel different if you're wearing a nice undergarment. And like, I hear this all the time for the guys listening, Stephanie, I don't really pay much attention to shoes. I don't actually, to be honest, pay much attention to fashion. I know enough to like get myself dressed in the morning, but I have heard that a lot of women, because a, a lot of women are into shoes, a lot of women will look at a guy's shoes and really make some determinations about him based on what, our, what his footwear situation is. I think they're a very loaded garment. It's true. And they're, we got so many options, you know, in the old days, it was just a nice brown leather shoe and make it polished, make sure it's polished. But listen, it can be a good barometer. You don't want to go out there and change anybody. 
But again, bear in mind, is it clean? Are your sneakers, it's easy to clean your sneakers. You can get little, um, you know, Mr. Clean, like what are those little, I'm blanking on the name, but like you can clean the bumpers of your sneakers and just, you know, make them look like new or take them to the cobbler as they called it in my day, the shoe repair. Oh my gosh, that the shoe repair changed my life because I had all these shoes that I was like, I guess those are going to the Goodwill or they're trash right now. And then I actually had a boss that was like, no, 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 take it to the shoe repair. And then I was able to extend the life of those shoes. Like as I bought nicer things that I wanted to last and not like pay less, <laughs> pay less whatevers. I wanted to take care of my, my clothing better. And also I learned actually from the other stylist that I was talking about, about tailoring like no one could buy off the rack i would say part of the reason stephanie that i don't like fashion that much or i don't like shopping is i think there were so many times where i got discouraged because i couldn't buy off the rack and trying things on i'm like this doesn't fit and i we get caught up in the size right like oh well i don't want to have to go up another size and this stylist really like shook up my brain on that. And she was like, first of all, no one can buy off the rack. Second of all, it's better to go up a size and have it fit you and then tailor it to you than try to squeeze in something that doesn't actually fit you properly. Totally agree. I think we're all fed this continual diet of like, everything should fit like this and it should just be easy breezy. And, you know, and thank you Kardashians for uh, editing everything. <laughs> yeah. And also you think they're not tailoring stuff. I mean, there's no way that you got to They've tailored their faces. <laughs> well, right. So to say nothing of the clothing, I'm sure. Right. So if you're wearing skims all day, you don't need tailoring. It's just elastic. And the other thing to bear in mind is that, you know, one brand's eight is another brand's 10 is another brand's 12 and same with shoes. You know, they're just there. It makes it annoying. That's for sure to shop when you find a brand that fits you well, though, I encourage people to stick with that brand. You don't have to buy five of everything, but you could maybe buy two, you know, if it's especially jeans or swimsuits or shoes, things that are known to be a little harder to fit. You're making me laugh because I remember being in like a gap changing room when I was in high school and this, this guy tried on these pants. He was in there with his mom and she was like, they look nice, Avi. Take two, Avi. Take two. And so that's like an ongoing joke in my house. Now, if you if something fits, you go, take two, take two, Avi. She was not wrong. I am not like, mad at her. Jewish her mothers sage, know things. Okay. Her sage advice. Oh my God. Listen, especially if they're on sale, don't get me started on. I think they were on sale. I think, I think Avi's mom was really <laughs> onto something. And you were talking about having this capsule wardrobe that when you have these pieces, you can mix and match too. Like some people have heard my story of how my husband's wardrobe got increasingly worse as I've as I, the longer I dated him, the worse his clothing Poor started. Guy. And he was guy. so well-dressed the first date. And then I finally, on like the fifth date, I was like, what happened to your clothes? Cause I noticed you dress really nice. Was there a house fire? Uh, yeah, it, <laughs> clearly. And he was just like, I didn't have the money to buy a, a lot of clothes. So I had like three good outfits and now I'm through those outfits. And now you get like ratty, holy jeans. And I was like, no, you don't have three outfits. You have nine outfits. You take that vest and you put it with those pants and you can mix and match. 
Girl, I like revolutionized this man's life in so many ways, but especially uh, naturally. Of wardrobe. course you did. Of course you did. Listen, I have been in there doing my beautiful mind thing in somebody's closet, maximizing, you know, 12 pieces into like whatever the exponential, you know, increase is of that. I even like to take a suit jacket from a, you know, an actual suit or the suit with jeans. You don't have to just buy an extra blazer. You can do, but I recommend getting better quality wherever possible. You can get that more easily these days, secondhand in very good condition. And it's a little easier to source because there are so many great places, but I would rather have you have, you know, fewer pieces of better quality that are, even geared a little more towards, you know, kind of three seasons or what they call classic, like a black blazer is a classic, you know, a black flat jeans, a good white t-shirt, a little black dress, a pant, a black pant. Everything doesn't have to be black. That's just, you know, my New York city fashion bias. Yes. Um, you should, you should wear red on a date. Cause you red, should wear red. You talk like, about biology. But we are biologically predisposed to be attracted to the color red. It catches our eye. And I love that. It's, it's a, a symbol of arousal in the animal kingdom. And we are you and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals. <laughs> I just pictured some baboon butts. <laughs> You're right. I honestly, it, it, it sounds kind of crass the way I'm presenting it, but that is actually the idea behind it. So you and you want to be noticed like you know, we talked about preparing for dates, but even just when you're going out, like let's say you're going to a bar or a mixer, you want to be noticed. So many times people are like, I don't, I never meet anybody when I go out. If you're not, if you're wearing your little black dress and you and your friends are just slinking into the background, you <laughs> won't be noticed, right? If you pick a bold print, a bold color. And, you know, I often talk about conversation piece clothing, conversation piece clothing, meaning it's something that starts a conversation that has a story behind it. That's unusual. That's interesting. That has an emotional context that you would be open to sharing. Give me some examples of conversation piece clothing, like in real life out in the wild. Totally. I think shoes can be a great one. Why not have a red heel or a red shoe, even with an otherwise black outfit that could work. Jewelry is always really great. Sometimes it makes sparkles. It's eye-catching. You could also do the red lip. Don't forget totally. that. That is a conversation starter. I, you know, even red manicure, the guy, I went to the car shop the other day and the guy noticed my red manicure. I mean, he commented on it. Oh, those they look, look fresh. Thank you. They, yeah. I never get them done. It's only been three years or whatever. So <laughs> they better look fresh. Those look fresh. Yes. You're like, you, you look fresh, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just I'm fix my car though too. Woman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Did you get but, a deal though? <laughs> you know, it, it's an ongoing saga. I'm currently driving a loner. So let's see oh what happens. Okay, um, but no, you could wear a t-shirt, you know, in terms of t-shirts or obviously the color, like you say, colors and prints and all that kind of stuff is wonderful. I even think for men, if it's a more, it's a dressier kind of a thing, you could wear a button up kind of a situation in your clothing, but wear some socks that have polka dots or something fun. You know, there was a guy I used to work with who always wore fun socks like that. And it was really fun. And I can tell you many, many pitches and things started where his socks came up. So it for sure, it for sure happens. And it just sets, you can set a tone too. It's like, are you a playful person? Are you a, you know, 
Are you funny? All that kind of stuff. I am all for that. It's really about who you are, how you want to present in the world and how to how to dress in a way that really reflects that and is comfortable. Isn't that the bottom line? It has to be comfortable. Absolutely. You got to be comfortable. I always like to think, do your outsides match your insides? You know, are you dressed in a way that doesn't really reflect who you are at all? Maybe you're dressing too conservatively and that's not really who you are inside, or maybe it's vice versa, you know, but yeah, comfort is key. It shouldn't be that hard to get around in the clothes you're in. Life is hard enough. I want folks to be comfortable and, and have a good time and be able to focus, like I said, on the things that are far more important than just clothes. Oh, that's so true. Said perfectly by the fashion therapist. Stephanie, I know that you help people all over the world. You can help people in person in Los Angeles, but also how would a virtual consultation work for anyone that's listening that may not be here in LA with us? Well, I, yeah, I do work virtually with folks. We do FaceTime and we can go right into the closet. We prep beforehand so that we can really hit the ground running and pardon the bad intentional pun. We tailor it. We tailor the (laughs) appointment to the need of the client. I work with all genders and, you know, it can be for special events. It can be for everyday clothes. It can be everything in between. Especially for dates, right? (laughs) Special event is a date. That date is a special event. No question. (laughs) So yeah, I'd be pleased to help people get together five looks, you know, and then I just think if you're going on that many, you know, going on different dates, you can rotate them. They're not going to know. Right. You can wear the same first date outfit for every first date. You can wear the same outfit for a second date and so on, or every beach date or every dinner date, or, you know, don't be afraid to get good use out of all your stuff. That is a perfect note to end it on. Thank you so much for being here, Stephanie. I appreciate you sharing your wisdom with the Dates and Mates audience. And I hope you will also join me again the next time we run the Dating Accelerator in the fall. You got it. No problem. It's my pleasure. Be sure to follow Stephanie and her company on Instagram at composed underscore co. And if you're interested in working with Stephanie, learning more about fashion therapy and maybe having her peek inside your closet, you can work with her virtually or in person through her website, composedco.com. Again, that's composedco.com. We will put the links in the show notes. In a moment, I'll be back to answer your listener questions, including how do I shake the feeling of being the last one to find love? And what does it mean if he won't text you back any questions? Stay with me. You know I've always got you covered with your dating dilemmas, so let's get to this week's questions. Dear Demona. Demona, help me. Our first question was sent in from someone we will call H. He says, do you have any suggestions on how to deal with the societal pressure to find someone? As a single guy in my mid-20s, I felt behind in finding a partner. This feeling is amplified whenever I see my friends enter or maintain long-term relationships and even get engaged or married. I know that this thought is completely false and that I can develop a satisfying long-term relationship at any age. I just struggle with feeling like I need to achieve this milestone ASAP. H, you are not alone, certainly. But I got to tell you, from being on the other side of my mid-20s, you got time. Don't worry. You got time, bro. You're okay. (laughs) And I can tell you from a statistical perspective that... The marrying age for men and women 
is increasing. And particularly for men, I believe it is around the age 30 now. So this is actually a dramatic increase in the last few years. And when you compare it to, you know, the 1950s, 60s, even 70s, it actually stayed relatively flat. And then as dating apps started to hit the scene and as also, you know, uh, feminism became more of a conversation and women started moving into more positions of earning potential, then suddenly the marrying age went up. So what does that tell you? I, I'll, I'm analyzing it in my book for you, but it won't be out until 2024. So I'll tell you now what I read from that is that people are now choosing to get married later and focus on their careers. And also that there isn't the financial need and pressure to get married young, that people are choosing partners. So I actually think, H, it's ultimately great news for you because it it means the potential for you to find someone who is evolved, who brings a lot to the table, and who really you can build something great and successful with has increased as well. You're you're not just running into a relationship. It's not just any relationship that you're looking for. You're looking for the right person at the right time. And so that time just hasn't come around for you yet. And I know it's hard when you're around people who are in relationships and you can feel like the fifth wheel. So I would also recommend that you you spend your time with people who make you feel good. And this is no shade to your friends who I'm sure are great people, but if it makes you feel like crap to be around them and their girlfriend or their wife or their fiance and makes you have judgment towards yourself, maybe put that on pause for a little bit and find a group of single friends that might be able to open up the world to new experiences, more single environments. Because if you hang out with a bunch of coupled people, married people, you're going to start to meet more and more married people. And that's not necessarily the pool that you want to be swimming in right now. Don't worry. You have time. Just stay the course. Get absolute clarity on what you're looking for. And don't settle. Don't feel the pressure to settle. I believe that you are looking for your best possible match. And that takes time, H, to unfold So give it the time that it deserves to find the right person. Our second question comes to us in a message from T. T says, for online dating, do you have any tips to get a guy to ask you questions? When I'm on dating apps, I feel like I'm the person always asking the questions and moving the conversation forward. I would like for the guy to ask me questions too. I would like a lot of things, T, but you have to consider that you only control how you show up Unfortunately, you can't control how people show up for you, right? So if you're always, though, feeling like you are moving the conversation forward, that to me makes me want to back up to the screening step and to who you are selecting in your dating pool before you even get into these conversations. Like maybe your parameters are a little bit too wide or maybe you're swiping on the wrong people or matching with the wrong people that you ultimately don't have enough in common with. Because think about it this way. If you make a connection with somebody and you you start the conversation with a comment plus a question, you know, that's my formula for messaging on an app, and you're engaging them in something that they're already interested in, the conversation should be able to flow pretty easily from there. So something is a 
it seems like it's off in the selection of the pool. But once you're in that pool, look, some people are not good at messaging and texting. You may have heard me say on this show before, my husband is terrible at it. And we're coming up on 15 years of marriage. So I don't have a lot of hope that it's going to get better. But if I had cut him off because I was like, he's not a great texter. He's not he's not asking me quippy questions in our messages. I would have missed out on something really great. And in person, he's fantastic. People do not always show up the same way in the app that they do offline. So this is why I'm a big fan of moving to the next step, getting to a phone call, a video chat, an in-person date, so you can see what the real-time conversation is like. That's much more important. Now, my tip, if you are trying to show someone, oh, you haven't asked me any questions and I'm doing all the talking and I don't want to be, my simple way to change that is to say, is there anything you're curious to know about me? Or even say, uh, oh, I feel like I'm interviewing you. I feel like I've asked you a lot of questions, like not in a way that's accusatory to them, but in a way that makes them realize that you have been driving the conversation. It's time for them to step up. And then, of course, saying, what can I tell you about me? Is there anything you're curious to know about me? And then see see how they respond to that. And if they are invested, they will pick up the ball and run with it. If they are not, you will also know right away. If it's not meant to be, it will be like pulling teeth. So you shouldn't have to work that hard in the early phase. But remember, we're moving offline within the first week. So I don't want you spending a lot of time going back and forth trying to assess if this person is a good conversationalist over text. That's the definition of the texting trap. Try to fine-tune that pool, move things along to the next phase, and then see if that person can hold a conversation, can make you feel seen and heard, and really give you what you need once you connect offline. I hope you enjoyed episode 404 of Dates and Mates. If you love this show, could you do just two small things for me? Number one, share it on social media. Tell a friend so that we can reach more people with the show and heal more hearts. Shout out to Love and Life Coach who mentioned me and Dates and Mates on her Instagram. She says, one of my perennial favorite podcasts is Dates and Mates. Demona is a well-researched American dating coach who covers a fascinating new love-related topic every week. She normalizes the trials and tribulations of dating and presents some wonderful guests. Check it out. Thank you so much, Love and Life Coach. I would love to be able to read your review or your post on a future episode of Dates and Mates. So please share the show. And if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, that's my number two ask. I would love to know which guests and topics you enjoyed hearing, and then we'll make more shows that give you what you want. And I would love to shout you out on a future episode for your review. Speaking of shouting you out, I also want to hear what questions you have. We are in the time of spring. Love is in the air. So go ahead and send me a DM about any dating, situationship, relationship question that you have. I am on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Damona Hoffman. That's the easiest way to send me a question. And make sure you follow Stephanie at composed underscore co on Instagram or visit her website, composedco.com. 
We'll be back next Tuesday for a very special edition of Dates and Mates. I can't even believe I'm saying this, but it is my 15th wedding anniversary. And we are going to be parting it up with the hosts of the Rom-Com Room podcast. It's a meet-cute podcast that's all about analyzing rom-com. So we're going to be talking about our favorite and our not-so-favorite wedding movies and what you can learn from them. Until next week, I wish you happy dating.